Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Norway. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Woo! <laughs> it's getting closer. It is indeed. <laughs> Hello, Matt. How are you? Hi, Monty. I'm really good. How's you? Yeah, I'm pretty well, thanks. Mm. Yeah. We are here on this gloriously summer day in London. <laughs> in amongst the pissing down rain. <laughs> it's sunny above the clouds. <laughs> Yeah, British weather. It's you grim, can, isn't it? Mm, this is why we talk about it all the bloody time, because it's just so crazy. Today is the day when we're recording, not when you're listening to this. God knows when you listen to this. But it was bright and pride today, and I had a look at some of the tweets this morning, and it was just, it was soggy. Yeah. I saw a drag queen who's obviously had a really stiff wig and it was like blowing off her head. I was like, oh, bless you. Commitment to the cause. <laughs> I've never really been so glad that the trains have been on strike and I couldn't go to Brighton Pride anyway, <laughs> even if I'd wanted to. <laughs> I hope everyone has a nice time though, regardless. Yes, had. It's in the past by the time they'll get this. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, this is how it works in real time. <laughs> I hope the weather's brightened up by the time you're hearing this as well. So Matt, who's been in touch with us? Do you want to empty the contents of your bulging sack? <laughs> On this podcast right now? Yeah. I will, yes. Here we go. <laughs> so we have had a tweet from Bob, actually, our perennial tweet. Uh, can't wait to see the secondary boys dressed as bridezillas at the final in October. Can I be a beautiful BS bridesmaid? Question mark. Mm. Well, Bob, yes, you can. I'm not sure we would be dressed in dresses. It's quite a production that we have to do on and off, on and off, and I think walking on stage and walking in the back. Well, room. yeah, and also like just drinking. I don't. <laughs> we have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And Jody likes a red wine, and you don't want to get that down the front of your wedding frock, do you? Unless our colourways for our wedding is red wine, burgundy colours. Oh, mm. that was hard a multitude of stains, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but Bob, one thing you can be is always be beautiful. We also had uh, an email from da- well, two Davids, actually. The f- first David uh, says, Hello, I just wanted to say hello and say how much I enjoyed the Denmark episode. Really enjoyed the Danish national final and thrilled with the second cherry choice. It was a much better show than they've had for a while as the last couple of years has been questionable quality. I'd love to see them get to the final again soon. I hope you're both well. Keep up the good work. Smiley face, David. That's David N from Scotland. It is, yeah. Yes. Yes, David. Oh, thank you, David. Yeah, and it was better this year. It was. Do you know, when I put it on social media, I had a few people being a bit sniffy about not wanting to listen because the Danish final they felt was of poor quality. I, well, this isn't the Danish final. This is us talking about the Danish final. So get a listen, you buggers. <laughs> I, did, I missed that. Didn't people give any grief yeah, for it? Um, yeah. Guys, like... Absolutely. Unless you've watched every national final like we do, trust me, Denmark <laughs> needs to step up its game. 
No, there's no question. Sorry, no one can argue with that. No one. And anyway, I was listening to the episode and I made myself titter at myself. (laughs) (laughs) So the episode's much better than the final was. (laughs) So the second David is uh, this the David had the squeaky voice. If you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about David with his squeaky voice. Uh, So he's emailed again. He said, hello, Matt and Monty. I enjoyed your Danish episode and you made the right choice. I think if being jilted at the altar was a type of wine, it would be hock. That's in reference to the fact that that's a question that you asked on the podcast. I did, yes. If we were going to be jilted and you were like a bottle of wine, what would the wine be if you weren't jilted at the altar? I like that. It's kind of sort of a little bit harsh and Germanic. Yeah. That feels like what being jilted at the altar would be like. (laughs) We should just say as well, David had a squeaky voice because of... The sort of the whole Eurovision throat business when you're at Eurovision and you scream and you yell and you talk to everybody. He hasn't got a squeaky voice. We're not just taking the piss oh, off. Yes. Just for the sake of it. This was something very specific. It was because of things like Hawk, actually. Oh, yeah. yes. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So, yes, he said, regards and much love, David. So, yes, thanks, David. Thanks for writing in again. <laughs> and then we got an email from a new listener Ooh. who entitled their email, new listener. Uh, hey, guys, I just wanted to say I really enjoy your podcast. I'm relatively new to Eurovision and just got into it last year when it started streaming in the United States. I've been looking for more podcasts about Eurovision and really like yours as it helps me find new songs, artists outside of the US. So far this year, I'm rooting for Solo. That's from Rutemur from Lithuania. She's rooting for uh, Solo for the second cherry. Thanks for the great podcast. Terry sent for my iPhone. Wow. Kerry sent for my iPhone. Thanks for your email. That's really great. That's very lovely. Thank you very much for taking the time to get in touch. It's always nice to hear from new listeners. Yeah. And actually, I agree with you. Like, I, Making this podcast makes me obviously have to listen to new music from people we wouldn't ordinarily listen to. So, um, yeah, it's good for us as much as it is for our listeners, I suppose. Some of which we wouldn't want to listen to, <laughs> given the choice. <laughs> <laughs> it must be said, we do deliver you the songs that are most noteworthy rather than the best five songs of the national final. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different selections there. But it is always an experience to, you know, to listen and to hear. Thank you very much, Kerry. That's absolutely lovely to hear from you. Oh, away from the United States as well. Thank mm-hmm. you, yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry, Kerry. I... I've assumed your gender there. Sorry, I assume that you are female, but um, yeah, sorry, we, we, I don't know, write in, tell us if we're right or wrong, sorry. I know a boy called Kerry. Mm. Mm. Well, he's a man, actually. Well, yeah, yeah, he's not a boy. He's male, yes, but yeah. <laughs> so no, we don't want to assume anybody's gender. You may be male, you may be female, you may be non-binary, you might be whatever the hell you like. What we do care about is the fact you like the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So, Matt, I think it's time for us to have a little think about the Norwegian national final. Mm. So, the Norwegian national final took place over four dates. Three semi-finals on the 14th, 21st and 28th of January. It was an early one. Mm -hmm. And then the final on the 4th of February. The semi-finals were held in screen studios in New Dorland. And the final was held not in Oslo, but in Trondheim, in the Trondheim Spectrum in Trondheim. It was the 61st edition of Melody Grand Prix. Wow. So one of these national finals that's been going for such a long time, you know, a little bit like Sanremo or Melody Festivalen. 
In each semi-final, there were seven songs which competed and the top three entries were selected to proceed to the final. Results in the semi-final determined exclusively by online voting, while the results in the final were determined by a split of online voting and ten international jury groups. Can I just say, the format this year, no pre-qualified finalists, no second chance round, no fucking jewels. <laughs> Hallelujah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I so agree. Just a straightforward, are you through or are you not? Yeah, it's the best way. The jewels just, I mean, I know it makes for good TV. It doesn't make for a great song contest. So very happy about that. Yes, very happy that Norway went back to basics this year. And in the final, we also had a big reveal. Did we? We did. I can't remember. I'm staring at one dear. What was the big reveal? <laughs> it was, who are Simple for? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the worst kept secret in Norwegian pop. <laughs> Subwolf were finally revealed to be Ben Adams and the other one. I can't remember. <laughs> But it wasn't a surprise who well, I can't remember his name. They were revealed as Ben Adams and Gorta Ormerson. Ormerson? Well, yeah. I don't know. I knew it was Ben Adams the moment he leaned over to me in a wolf outfit at the LEP, the afterstage bar. Yeah, yeah he got a lager, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and they they went through all the straws at LEP that year. We're like, oh, can he just <laughs> maybe keep a straw? <laughs> I mean, fair play to them, because they did go through the whole of that Eurovision season and, you know, keep the secret. I mean, even to the point that people thought one of them was Tix, or Tix was the DJ. And actually, of course, Gokta, or whatever his name is, he was the spaceman on the DJ deck, not the other wolf. Ben was a wolf, and the other wolf was a dancer. Oh, I did... Wait, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Are you... Yeah, sure. I'm absolutely sure. I mean, I don't mean to be unkind, but that wasn't a great dancer then. Because Ben Adams was like clearly the one that was the better dancer. Unless you're mixing them up. Or maybe, how would I know? Well, exactly. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. That's who it was anyway. (laughs) This big reveal in the Um, In the voting, of course, Alessandra came first she was first in the jury and the public vote actually she got six twelves and three tens from the jury groups and uh she got one two from uh, one of the international jury groups it was from the czech republic wow now i'm just saying that the czech republic at that time on the 4th of february were in the middle of their own selection their songs had been shown but the results hadn't come in yet they were sort of straddling this period and I'm just saying that the Czech Republic were going for an upbeat song called My Sister's Crown Alessandra was singing Queen of Kings or King of Queen no which one was Queen of Kings Queen of Kings (laughs) King of Queens is something completely different (laughs) I'm just saying there was a little royal theme crowns queens queens kings going on there I'm just saying that the Czech Republic Gave this two points when every other jury gave it 10 or 12 in the middle of their selection of a similarly themed song. I just want to be very clear. I'm not making any speculation. I'm not making any speculation. All I'm doing is presenting you with some facts and some chronology. (laughs) Yes. 
So, Matt, do you think that the Czech Republic deliberately voted this entry to happen? <laughs> no, I think that everybody in this process was very above board and voted as they felt. It was their true self. I see. Anyway, <laughs> she also won the televote by some margin as well, and she was the overall winner. So, let's have a little blast. Alessandra there qualified in sixth place from her semi-final, 102 points, but went up to fifth in the final with 268 points. Hmm, what can we say about that kind of improvement, do you think? Running, order, full stop. Well, I think that's part of it, certainly. I mean, it's not the only factor that we've got to consider there, but she was first in the semi and 20th in the final, and I think that that later running order really boosted her chances. Of course, there are more countries voting in the final, so there is that as well. But having booked up that position, I think the running order absolutely helped her there. I also think the performance in the final was a fraction better than in the semi. Not that everybody has that tracking and you know understanding. They just see one performance. But I think it was better, so therefore resonated more. Did the right song win? A hundred percent. I agree with that. A hundred percent. Yeah. This was a decent national final. All the songs were at a level, but this was head and shoulders above the rest. I agree. So let's have a look at some of the other songs that competed in the Melody Grand Prix. So the first song that we're going to listen to is called Echo Inimai, Echo In Me by Yuna. What are your thoughts on Yuna? Well, I like this young lad. He's full of confidence. He's like he's a bit like a Japanese anime character brought to life. He's kind of got this nine, 1990s blonde curtains, which I had. I've got pictures of it. Um, Ooh, so, we need some of those. I know. I know. I was awful. I look, I look horrendous. Yuna doesn't look horrendous. He looks very cool. Um, I, I quite like it's like some young Viking cry of torment and I think when you when you look at the lyrics here Yona says um, how can I feel anymore I thought she was going to stay my heart beats and plays a melody let me out will never be free where shall I go what is she doing now the lady lives like an echo inside me so clearly he's going through something and I just think it's a bit of a weird way to address that kind of torment it feels angry rather than sort of um, vulnerable but he sings it really well it's very the stage is quite dark in colour there's I do <laughs> I have to say I do laugh at the back panels he's got like these four 
huge sort of rectangle back panels which look basically like uh, baking trays that have been lined with foil and they just look ridiculous <laughs> but look it's, it's a it's a odd sounding song to, to, to my ear actually but um I'm intrigued I, I quite like it it's a bit kind of industrial techno Nordic folk yeah that kind of blend yeah <laughs> but he's not he's, he's clearly not happy about the situation he's clearly going through something well he's tormented isn't he yeah it's a kind of a lament for this woman that's um, not there but sort of lingering in him like an echo yeah mm. um, I really like this as well it's got it's got a bit of an 80s vibe as well to it I thought and uh, there's also there's a bit where there's a female vocalist comes in and sings like an intro and also some of the way through and on the presentation there's like a pic an image of her overlaid on the screen um, she doesn't actually appear on the stage and um, he looks a bit like um, a blonde version of young blood to me oh yeah the uh, UK yeah which is like rocker I suppose you yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 I got a little bit of that from him but yeah this mm. is um, I, I quite like the blend of this I think this is the kind of song that Probably only really exists in something like Melody Grand Prix, but I quite like it for that. I was just about to say the same thing, actually. This isn't something you necessarily would see in the Norwegian charts, necessarily. Uh, it's a TV song, and I think that is actually its power. Song number two, then, is the return again of Elsie Bay, but this time with Love You in a Dream. Monty, another dark Nordic song from Elsie. So Elsie was, of course, our Norwegian cherry for 2022. She was. So she's back contending again, which means that she lost again in MGP. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore eligible for second cherry. This has got that kind of um, Billie Eilish-esque, Victoria-esque, to give it a Eurovision um, reference vocal that's the kind of vocal that will drive Jody from the second Jody team to mint it <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very much in the same vein as her song last year I think that kind of darkness there's some trilling piano there's a dramatic pair of dancers in the background there's a chandelier that starts on the floor and gets sort of hoisted through it's a little bit the reverse of the Phantom of the Opera yes you know behold she's singing to send up the chandelier rather than bring it down some billowing sheets and there's a big sudden climax at the end it's almost as if there's more song than they have time for so they've chopped it just to fit into the three minutes <laughs> um, there's a theme of that kind of the love that you haven't taken the opportunity of earlier in your life. So she's saying, had I reached out for your hand all those years ago, I'd sit here today and at least I would know that every day when you kiss someone else, that's who you chose to be with instead. So she would know that if she wasn't with the person, it was because she'd at least tried and then it hadn't worked out. So she's later saying, maybe one day when we're grey and old, I'll finally sit down to pick up the phone and tell you the truth 
after a lifetime of lies. Mm. I mean, that's optimistic to think that the phone will come back and she'll not just text. <laughs> but, you know, yes, there's a lot in this. I'm not sure that this is doing it for me. Look, it's very gothic. It's dark, Nordic, noir, you would say. If it was a novel, it would be Nordic noir. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that for, for, she looks stunning. She it's got this black sparkly lace with this two-tone hair sort of pulled back and then she's kind of got diamante littered like throughout her hair. She kind of looks widowed, actually, because she's all in black and it's very black stained. It feels like, and actually, love you in a dream, maybe there is something about death in it. Just, I think she looks great. And, and I know what you mean about it's not quite there. It's just, it seems to not quite get to the bases. It, it, it's... There's no X factor, as they might say. It it just feels like a song that it sweeps. And this is what she does very well, actually. Her sweeping vocal, she kind of goes from one note to the next. And she doesn't just sh- shortcut when she's singing. She kind of takes you from one note to the next by s- kind of rounding around. And I love that vocal style choice that she does. I wonder whether this is it we get from Belsie. You know, I don't... If she's going to get to Eurovision, if she wants to get to Eurovision, you assume she does, then it will, I think she needs to kind of like maybe go bigger, go beyond what she's doing. What I will say about the chandelier, that is, it's a national final performance. So you're going to get maybe the lesser version of what you're going to be able to do on stage. Talking of Phantom of the Opera, that is your reference point on this. This is, if you, if this went to Eurovision, you would take, you would have a massive chandelier that everybody was like, oh my God. I mean, she, maybe she's standing in front of it, I don't know. And it's, and then like you said, it starts off broken on the ground and then it moves up as the, as the song kind of reaches its crescendo. It comes to life, it brightens up, it's a light, it lofts, you know, it hoisted up above them and the dancers doing the bolero or tango or whatever they're doing. And it's this, got, it's beautiful gothic. Even though the song's a bit, it's okay. I can imagine a version of that at Eurovision that is stunning. I can see that as you're saying it, and you're absolutely right. I think the bigger production number on this, maybe taking some of the attention away from the song itself, is something that I think could work. But this this is a national final, and that's what we're judging it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Song number three is Ulrika with Honestly. Matt Ulrika, who of course won in 2020, the year that Eurovision was cancelled, mm. so she didn't get a chance to go to Rotterdam. What do you think of this attempt to get to Eurovision? I think it's of the typical Ulrika standard. She always delivers a solid song, and we know that she has got vocal talent. Absolutely. For this, she's dressed quite simply in like this silvery, glittery, it's like a body wrap top and this wide skirt combo. It's quite simple. It's quite classic. She looks great. There's something about her though that I can't quite connect with. And this is across all of her songs. As much as she does sing incredibly and her 
songs are always very well composed, well produced. She's got a great team behind her. I just think it doesn't feel fresh and new. Everything she brings is always feels a little bit slightly behind the curve. And you don't always have to bring the new fresh song and you know, I'm not looking for the, the new best thing. But I wonder whether I just sometimes if I feel like I've just heard it all before. And I feel that belies her talent. This isn't a judgment on her because I feel like if she gives herself a song or someone writes her a, a decent song that is an absolute stonker, an absolute stonker, she would be very dangerous, I think, not just in MGP, but at Eurovision. This is a potential Eurovision winner in the making with the right song. I think that they thought this was the stonking song mm. and the stonking presentation of it. Talking of it being well composed and talking as we were of Ben Adams, Ben is one of the composers. Okay. Yeah. Um, along with Ulrika and I just want to say a little bit about the kind of the background of the song I didn't really know this until I was researching it but um, this is from Wee Wee um, it says the song is a response to the difficult weeks and months that followed Melody Grand Prix 2020 during lockdown and following the cancellation of Eurovision 2020 Ulrika was living with her manager and best friend Christopher Gunnerstad his father passed away from cancer and she didn't know how to help him the quote is, I really wanted to be there for him, but didn't know how to best comfort and take care of him. The song captures that discomfort and uncertainty, but also showcases her devotion to saving the relationship and each other. Wow, that's mm. oh, deep. So there's a really personal mm. reason behind this. So why is that authenticity and the, the very personal reason not coming across in the presentation? And I think it's because they've tried to throw every trick in the book at it. When I watch this, I see it's very dramatic. There's this line in Norwegian that they've chucked in to enhance it. It's anthemic. It's got big lighting. It hits the beats. There's a back shot to the audience with all the little twinkly phones going off. And she turns around. The backing dancers have come on to join her. They're playing the fiddle, there's confetti, there's a big note, and then it just kind of stops very abruptly. A little bit like that other song from Elsie, where you just kind of think, maybe this song needs to be more than three minutes, therefore it's not a Eurovision song. But it almost tries every trick to pull off that show-stopping performance. And for me... It just feels a little bit too cynical. And that, for me, is why this isn't connecting with the audience. It came second, and I think for a lot of people this was the song that people expected to be the one that went to Eurovision. Um, she got um, 138 points overall, second highest score. But Alessandra was such a runaway winner. She got 233. It was almost 100 points ahead. There's a big, big difference here. What is the difference, though? A stonker song. There's no difference. If you were to judge Alessandra and Eureka together vocally, I, they're both great. The song is the difference. Absolutely. Song number four, then, is Alejandro Fuentes with Fuego.
Monty, thoughts on Alejandro? I really enjoy this kind of cod Latin um, number from a Nordic country. <laughs> We've had lots of examples of this. It's in Spanish. Um, it's set up as a kind of, it's like a little sort of jam bar, you know, somewhere in the back streets of um, some Spanish town. Um, he's there, a little sort of, you know, blonde, tattooed Latino. Um, and he's, you know, singing this song. I mean, you know, it, it, it's an age-old theme, uh, you know, how you're attracted to somebody and you just can't, like, you know, help it. And you're, you know, he says, um, the attraction's going to kill me and my heart's going to get burned. Um, because I don't, I want to touch you nonetheless. Fire, fire. I mean, it's so naff, but I... I really enjoy something like this just for the sheer, um, for the sheer flip of it. Really, there's some actual fuego on the stage mm-hmm. uh, when they break into a little dance routine. Um, he's uh, he's got this funny little sort of ill-fitting leather suit on. I mean, I hope it's leather. It might be plastic. I mean, if he gets too close to that fuego, it <laughs> might go up. Um, but it, it, it's strangely good. There's two. Very bizarre bits I want to point out there. And one of them is the pronunciation of Fuego. 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 <laughs> it's three syllables. It's not like, you know, Eleni Ferreira's Fuego, which is very clear too. There's three syllables in Alejandro. <laughs> this is Fuego. Fuego. And <laughs> this makes me howl. He sings his own name. Oh no! The end of the song. Ale Alejandro Fuentes, Fuego. <laughs> Just makes me howl. This is a much needed piece of fluff in this final. It didn't make the final, it didn't make it out of the semi final. And I can see why. Yeah. But given. The overall quality of the songs. This is a song that I just want to champion because it, it it's just daft, but it's quite fun. Yeah, you can't really aim too much criticism at it because it's a generic, you know, Spanish flamenco pop by numbers sort of ditty. It's kind of, it's hard not to like. I don't think anyone would love this song. It's hard not to like, though. I love the start, though. Like I said, it's a smoky backroom bar of some you know, dusty town. And it's just, it, I, I love that start. It's, it promises a lot at the start. Um, he's got some women standing behind him and who I, who I actually think elevate the performance so much. I actually think it's about them, for me, personally. Um, they sort of help give that festive, good feel vibe to the song as well. I think they start off with trumpets and I think they join him on stage with some proper, you know, flamenco dancing uh, that just lifts it all. The, the chorus of Fuego is a bit unsatisfying. Fuego. Sorry, corrected. Uh, it's just so un- unsatisfying. It's just, you think, if it had uh, Chanel, slow-mo, the Spanish century from, you know, Turin, if we had that kind of a, a, a sing-along, get-along-with-it sort of chorus, rather than Fuego, it just doesn't, it's unsatisfying. But he does the best that he can with it. He's good sort of stage presence, and but yeah, just maybe... Just not enough there. I can enjoy the whole show of it, but I immediately forget it. It does promise a lot. You're absolutely right. And it does deliver a lot. It just delivers something different to what it promises. <laughs> yes, true. 
<laughs> Song five then is Love Again by Skrelex. Now, Matt, I just want to say a little word about this before I hand over to you, and that it's that we know the composers, or we know three of the four composers. Um, Michael James Down, Primus Paglia, Eunice Gladnikov, and also somebody called Will Taylor, who I don't know, but I just want to say that we do know the composers, and it's very jolly to hear one of their songs. All friends that I know through going to Eurovision, and yeah, really nice. What do you think of this? Well, I watch Drag Queens... In national finals and, and out of the context of cabaret and out of the context of being in a gay bar being drunk, you know, I watch drag queens through my hands thinking, please be good because cabaret or that kind of type of performer on the biggest stages can look really cheap. It's almost like you're a, a fish out of water. Thank God that this song actually bangs and Skrillex is exceptional, actually, I have to say really good vocal and it doesn't feel like cabaret and I, I'm so happy about that because it is okay look it's quite generic in its lyrical content but I, you can forgive that because it's a really good fun party song there's a bit of a, a dance break in the middle uh, which kind of breaks up the performance for a bit of relief which is important because it is quite a repetitive song so when and this is what I love about performance people who put thought into the performance about if it's a repetitive song how do you break up that repetitiveness and dance break or whatever it is thought has gone into this loved it i think yeah i loved it i think it's a really solid entry i really like this as well we should say skrillex is a drag queen we didn't actually mention that but you oh sorry yes <laughs> yeah he's a drag artist and um yeah i i agree with all of that i'm um, i this is lightweight um uh, and the theme is, you know, very, very generic. It's, you know, I can't stand another single night. I just want to get on the dance floor. And, uh, you know, our wildest dreams can come true. Um, it's that kind of song. Um, but there's no artifice about it. It's not trying to be anything other than it is. And I think that authenticity yeah. and, you know, it knowing exactly what it's going to do is a real boost to it. Skrennix... I think pulls off a good vocal performance. I think at times it looks a little bit like she's concentrating on the moves. But I think she really pulls it off. You've got dancers in little glittery hot pants. She's got this enormous great frock uh, that does come off at one point, but when she first comes on, it's the kind of frock that looks like it should have a toilet roll underneath it. <laughs> um, but it's campus tits and it, it's fun and it's frivolous. And you know, after some of the darker songs in this selection, you know, Elsie Bay's lament for the love that she never went for, Ulrika's, you know, despair at not being able to support somebody, um, Yuna's, you know, wondering where this woman is that's now just an echo inside of him. There's all this sense of kind of loss and this kind of what could have been. And what I like about Skrelex is it's not what 
could have been. It's that what might happen tonight. Yeah. It's in the moment. It's bringing something really lively. And I really respond to this bit of fun. Look, when it's done well, do what you do and do it well. And that's and that and that's it. That's all you can ask for. And this is it. You can't aim any criticism at it. You know, it, this is for you. Or it's not for you. But it is very much authentic. So they are our five songs. Which one of those is going to be the Norwegian Cherry, as chosen by the rest of the team, including us, not just us? Remember. So we'll find out after this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. You know what this is now, our good thing of the week that is good. It is a bit of positivity to bring light to the pretty dark social situation we're all in at the moment. Now, it's a bit different this week because it's not so much a good news, feel-good story. It's more about to relieve some of your fears. So the news has come through that TAP, the record industry label that was searching for the UK entry, are not going to continue that partnership with the BBC going forward uh, to search for the new UK Act next year. And we're here to tell you why it's okay. Now, firstly, so the news is that they're not continuing and um, they're stepping away and and there's been quite a, a barrage of people on Twitter, which is unsurprising, of people saying, oh, well, the BBC are going to go back to the dark days. They're going to, we're going to get another Neil Poir and, you know, we can't find it. What, what, and, and really, we're kind of here to say that it doesn't matter who is in that position, whether it's the BBC in-house themselves, whether it's TAP, whether it's BMG, who were the people before TAP that did this, or any partner. The problem is, is that it's the industry and trying to turn minds around, change minds. So the task at hand is to change the minds of the industry. And we feel here at Second Cherry Towers that the BBC has managed to do that to a point. And that is huge. TAP themselves had to question themselves before they joined this project to say, is this something we want to get involved in? And they realised, yes, there's, there's, there's space to do this. There's wiggle room. We can do this. We can turn it around. And the BBC, after... Four years now, is it, of working with BMG, working with TAP, we feel like there's been learnings, that they've learned how to do this. The BBC has never been closer to the music industry right now. And all right, we're not quite there yet necessarily, but we'll find out in the next year. Yeah, we just want to leave some of your fears about what this means. This isn't a backward step necessarily. Exactly that. I think, you know, what the BBC would have learned in four years working with two different record labels puts the BBC Eurovision team in a completely different position. And in turning around the perception of Eurovision, it's not just who we select and how we do. It's also, you know, how Eurovision is presented to the public. You couldn't get a better showcase for Eurovision than the BBC hosting it this year. They did an amazing job. I don't think that tap leaving is that much of a surprise, though. If you go back to Eurovision Cast, the BBC's podcast from March, they have an interview with Ben Mawson from um, Tap. And even there, he's saying, you know, well, you know, we didn't know we were going to do it for a second year. You know, even this year with May Muller, um, it was partly, you know, because they were on home ground and, you know, there were opportunities to do it. But this has never necessarily been a long term project. If the second year was a, well, we don't know if that's going to happen. You know, I think the fact that they've they've parted ways 
is not necessarily a bad thing. And while we're talking about the who should be selected, I just want to address something which has come up as the result of an interview with a journalist about Rina Sawayama. Mm. Because it's almost become the orthodox now that Rina was asked and said yes and the BBC didn't take her. I want to debunk some of that. If you listen to the interviewer and you go back and read the original interview he's talking about when he talks to Rina, there's no indication that when she got back to the BBC, she said yes. Um, The word used was... It was all go. Yes. But, that, I, that, but then there was other words that suggested that there was obstacles. They're too, they're, they, they're too, they don't go together. But also the time is interesting. So the interview was carried out, I think, in May. And if in the original interview, Rena says oh, it was a couple of months ago. And then she said, oh, actually, it might have been, it might have been well before that. Um, and if you think back, May was selected and signed up in January. So by January... The BBC's negotiations had finished. I think there's a chance that this negotiation could have been happening for the year before, not for 2023. I don't necessarily think that Rina Soayama has been lined up for 2023, as we've said all along. There's every chance it could have been for last year. And also, you know, she said herself it took a while to get back. That might be the dinner time. The BBC and TAP are going to go, you know, they're going to lay lots of trails. And, you know, some will come to nothing. The majority will come to nothing. But actually, you know, some will will pick up. And if you pick up your side of the trail too late, then, you know, the moment has passed. I think we need to be very cautious about taking from that interview. Rina Sawayama said yes, and the BBC didn't take her on. Because I don't think that there's any evidence to actually say that's what happened. No. And I'm sorry, if you've got if you've got an email in your inbox from Rina Sawayama or her team saying, hey, yeah, she's good to go, you're not going to just ignore it. And if you are, if if you are going to ignore it, it's because it's way too late anyway. And and put yourself in Rina's shoes or her PR company's shoes or record label shoes. Rina has had the busiest year she's ever had in her life. She has been a co-star in a Hollywood movie. She's released her second album to great acclaim and has had to add extra dates to all her tours here in the UK, over in America. She is the hottest of hot thing that everybody wants a piece of. She has had no time. So I, I can actually believe that she took ages to get back to the BBC way, way too late in order to pull around a decent performance, staging, understand the whole project, everybody's on board, you know, the the whole sort of organisation of this whole project going forward. And then it was just like, okay. So I'm not saying that it's a missed opportunity because I don't think it was. I don't think it's a missed opportunity because I think look at the um, encouragement there was and the optimism and the enthusiasm for Rina doing it. I would really hope that the BBC are talking to her for twenty twenty four. Well, this is the, are we are we all just making judgments too early? Watch this space. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good. That is. So here we are. End of the episode, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to pick the cherry 
And this year, for Norway, we've decided to go for something a little bit different. Monty, what have we gone for? We've gone for Love Again by Skrillex. Yes! <laughs> Do you know, it's the fun element for me that swung it with that. I think everybody was probably expecting us to choose Ulrika. And sorry, she was just a bit too mournful and a bit too contrived. Let's have a bit of fun at Second Cherry. Yeah, and actually, when we turn this up, and again, I say this all the time, but when we put it on the big screen, you turn up the music, you have a few drinks, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing at the LRVT. Exactly what we're doing now. Exactly what we're doing now. Uh, It changes things. When you hear things loud, it changes things. And this was the perfect cherry. Let's have a blast. So Skrillex there, the Norwegian cherry for 2023. What do you think of that? You can get in touch and tell us on Twitter at Second Cherry, or do we have to call it X now? Let's just call it Twitter. Yeah. Instagram at Second underscore Cherry and Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast. We also want to hear from you on email. So email us at... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. Hello. At secondcherry.vision. We look forward to hearing from you. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.